the longer I stayed involved, the more I realized that that was probably what I was meant to do. Welcome to the Competitive Mindset Podcast. Each interview, we talk to leaders who differentiate themselves and achieve high levels of performance through the lens of motivation, competitiveness, and mindset. These conversations lead to thought-provoking idea sharing and growth, accompanied by entertaining storytelling. Welcome along on our journey to lifelong learning, improved performance, and a look inside the competitive mindset. Mike Schmidt is a head wrestling coach at Milwaukee School of Engineering. He brings his diverse background with wrestling experience at the Division I and Division III level to his coaching experience. He uses an analytical approach in order to help his student-athletes achieve on the mat as well as in life. Welcome to the Competitive Mindset Podcast. Thanks, Billy. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. I'm excited to hear some of your stories and some of your experiences. So let's jump right into that and tell us about your journey and how it's led you to where you are right now. Sure. I um, I don't think my journey as an athlete is too much different than I'd say most other coaches. I started at a pretty young age. My dad, he had a wrestling club. So I was three, four years old and I was already hanging out in the wrestling room. And then I started competing when I was five or six years old and kind of liked it right away. Had some success. I think I placed at state my first year and then, you know, my second year I was a state champ. So it kind of came natural to me and I guess I embraced it and never looked back. You know, from there I had some success in high school and then I went on and wrestled at the University of Minnesota for three years and then I wrapped up my career at at Whitewater. So, you know, Division One, Big Ten wrestling, and I've also experienced Division Three wrestling. So I think that lends itself to uh, being a well-rounded coach and, you know, gives me a little bit of insight into the different types of athletes that I'll, that I come across um, as a coach. So you mentioned as a little kid, you like it. And yeah. what is it that drew you to it as a little kid? I enjoyed being around the the older guys, you know, I, I just, I, I liked wrestling. I mean, I still do. That's, you know, I never really liked the lifting side of it or conditioning side. I like to just get in there and, and wrestle. And I think that started, you know, right away. So what is it about those first competitions that you remember? You were pretty young. Obviously you were around it a lot. Having a dad as a coach is super helpful to initiate that bug. But what do you remember about those first meets where you actually got to wrestle? It's a little tough for me to think back that far. It, it all kind of blends together in some sense. Um, like I mentioned, I, I think my first real memory of a, a tournament was my first state tournament. And I don't necessarily remember the matches that I wrestled, but I, I just remember the environment and I remember enjoying that environment. You know, I kind of remember seeing the guy who, who took first in my weight class and I thought that was a real cool thing. And, I thought that was something that I'd like to try to do myself. And that kind of became the goal is just to become the best I could and to, to reach that level. So with that first state tournament, can you take me into that arena and kind of what you remember from it? Because for me, I'm fascinated by how tunnel vision can sometimes come in and block out all of the external, not noise, but circumstances that are going on. Or are people able to 
enjoy the environment, the energy, the fanaticism that goes along with that. I think the big difference would just be the the level of wrestling. I mean, there's kids wrestling tournaments all over the place. The gyms were always packed, things like that. But I think the level of wrestling was probably better than what I had seen prior to that. And, you know, that kind of lent itself to, I guess, a certain excitement that came along with it. I, I grew up watching, you know, the high school wrestling state tournament, so I, I thought it was cool that I could say that I was wrestling at the state tournament and things like that. Moving on from high school into college, what was your motivation to go to the University of Minnesota to wrestle? I think the big thing for me was I, I was kind of disappointed with my high school career, and I kind of thought I had more to, to prove. I didn't think my body of work in high school really represented who I was as an athlete and I, I just I thought I could compete at that that level and I, I wanted to I wanted to do that. So did you take a little bit of an underdog mentality into that or did you take an alpha dog mentality into that? Not really. I mean I don't think I took an underdog mentality by any means. I, I maybe I should have, but like I said, I was wrestling with guys in high school um, as practice partners that were at a real high level and you know, I felt I was I was right there with those guys, so I didn't really view it as being an underdog. It just kind of it was what it was, and I had pretty high goals going in, and I didn't achieve those goals, but it was still a great you know great experience in my life, a good learning experience, and something I can draw on now as a coach and take things from that to help my student athletes. So you mentioned transferring from there to UW-Whitewater. Can you tell me a little bit about the mentality difference in the program at Minnesota, which is a Division One program, to Whitewater, which is a Division Three program? Yeah, I mean, I think the I think the biggest difference is just that you know at that at the, the Big Ten level, it's it's more of a job, or at least to me, it felt like more of a job. I mean, you're there, you're expected to have wrestling be your your top priority all the time. Whereas at the Division Three level, it was I was able to let off the gas a little bit, and I, I always hear people talk about like the D three experience, and I think there's some some truth to that. You know, I think as an athlete at a Division Three school, you can you can enjoy some things outside of your um, outside of your sport as well. Having a little bit more life balance is applicable yep. at that level. So your competitiveness comes through in your drive to to constantly be pushing yourself and having more to prove, as you listed it. How has your competitiveness helped you in your career path? That's a tough one. You know, the funny thing is I'm I'm competitive, but I'm also a pretty laid back person, and I kind of take things as they come. Um, so as far as my I don't know I guess as far as my career, it's given me a work ethic that maybe separates me from most others. I guess you could say the same thing with my coaching career too. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm obsessive about things and I'll spend a lot of time on things. So it's that work ethic is just, um, you know, kind of drives me to, to put that time in and to always try to do more and to get better. Let's talk about your non-coaching career. Yeah. Tell me about how that obsessiveness assists you in that and tell us a little bit about what your career is. All right, so I, I started out in public accounting after I graduated. Now I'm working in the mutual fund industry. It, it's something I thought I wanted to do with my life. 
I'm a very analytical person, and it does sort of suit my personality to an extent. So is there a way for you to compete in that job daily that you find yourself looking to accomplish or win or lose, or I guess avoid lose, but winning on a daily basis or a quarterly basis that you can look to? I think, too, yeah, I think at first that probably was my attitude. And I think for a lot of people in that, in that career field, that probably, they're very career focused people. And that, that probably is, would be beneficial for them to compete and try to you know, get promoted to to move up on the ladder. I think it's really neat that you have the ability to still find a drive with that coaching part of it. Let's dive into some of the coaching stuff. What was your motivation to get into coaching, and how did you discover that? So I, that's that's the interesting thing is I I never intended to to coach. Um, in fact, when I was done wrestling in college, I was pretty burnt out on wrestling and I kind of separated myself from wrestling for the most part. I, I happened to run into a, the former MSOE coach while I was out shopping with my wife and um, we had a conversation and, you know, that, that's sort of what opened that door for me and what got me, I guess, started on coaching. I still didn't really envision myself becoming a, a head coach and certainly not running a, a college program by any means, but the longer I stayed involved, the more I realized that that was probably what I was meant to do. So you mentioned burnt out, and I can relate to that because I had the same sentiments after my playing career was done where I didn't touch a ball for a long period of time. During that phase in between when you were basically getting your energy back for it, did you ever have an itch to get in the gym or go watch a match, or were you able to find new outlets, and what were they? Well, I did still pay attention to it a little bit. I just didn't, I just wasn't personally involved. But I think I, what I missed most is just getting into the wrestling room and, and scrapping with the guys. But I, one thing that I think a lot of people don't know about me is I'm a pretty hardcore bow hunter, and I'm pretty competitive with that. So I think, I think that became my outlet for, for several years. And um, it, it, still, it still is, to be honest. It's probably the thing that I'm, most passionate about in my life so aside from obviously my family that intrigues me because i am not a hunter by any means and and i have no passion to be so how does the competitiveness fill with hunting can you explain that to us i mean i think part of it is not it's not necessarily competing with other hunters but it's you know it's like competing with myself to continually get better and I guess improve my improve my skills. Yeah, having that internal drive to improve yourself, and it's not necessarily an external validation of a scoreboard, you know, against an opponent, but it constantly evaluating yourself to improve is a really important skill to have. Exactly. Yeah, it's like sometimes I I have a tendency to get kind of caught up in it, and I'll have to pause and remind myself that you know there is there is no real competition with it and there's no awards for it so um, but at the end of the day you have a competitiveness and it's about winning and losing as far as what you want to accomplish out of it and being successful so are you seeking the joy of winning out of that or trying to eliminate the fear of losing oh wow that's a that's a tough one it's i i think neither i what i really enjoy is the process you know whether whether it's 
coaching or, or hunting or whatever it might be. I think I, I enjoy the, the process of it and um, somewhat unrelated story. But, you know, the, when I shot my, my buck this year, I almost immediately switched over my thinking onto my next one. I have a tendency to not always enjoy the moment, so I'm kind of working on that. But I, I do enjoy the process of, of things. That goes with your analytical brain, I would say. How has your mindset in regards to what success means to you changed over the course of your career? One thing with me was I became very, like, results-driven in, in high school, I would say, which I don't really think is a good formula for success, right? Um, you know, everything became about winning, even in the practice room. You know, I would get nervous or sick to my stomach every day before practice. I kind of dread going, um, especially that actually got worse in college. I, I think that now, and, and probably because I was, was able to step away from it for a while, now I can look back on that and realize that my approach was wrong during that time. And so as a coach, I'm putting a little bit less emphasis on the wins and losses and really just trying to remind myself and remind my student athletes that, you know, our job is just to come in every day and, and get better. And from there, we just let the chips fall where they may. So with that coaching, you just touched a bit on it. Can you tell me why you coach and what drives you to coach? I think I had mentioned I had a conversation with a, the former coach at MSOE, and I started off just working with one or two individuals on the team and I, I really, I enjoyed that. You know, I wasn't much of a coach by any means. I, I wasn't even really on the coaching staff. I just would come in, work with those guys. But as I saw those guys start to take things that I had worked on as they had a little bit of success, I think that can be a little bit addictive. And I, I just wanted to continue to do that again and again. You and I will share that addictive personality with uh, having something that you find joy in and then trying to repeat or recreate that situation. And I think that that always comes from somewhere. Can you tell me a little bit about a mentor that you have or have had in your life and a lesson that you learned from them? Yeah, I think, well, I don't, I don't know that I've had just one in particular that I can pinpoint, but you know, I've, I've been fortunate throughout my career. I've had great, great coaches, um, so, you know, several that are, have been inducted into, you know, national and state hall of fames and, and things like that. And so I, I think just being able to observe them and see what works and, and what, what doesn't work and just take those experiences and keep those in my back pocket and draw upon those, um, when I need to, I think that's been a huge help. And I guess, so I guess my answer would be that all of my former coaches and really almost anybody I come, can come across and have a conversation with can probably become a mentor in, in some way or another. Yeah, you're never too smart to take somebody from everything. And one thing that I know my dad was that he was always stealing things from other coaches. And if you're not keeping your eyes open, you're going to miss something. And there's always something, even if it's the smallest of things, to take from someone and then making it how you want to make it and move it forward from there with how you want to approach things. So I, I think there's value in having a broad net. 
Agree. And actually, I like that. I like your podcast because of that. You know, I think we get sometimes we tend to have tunnel vision and um, we stay pretty sports specific. But I think, like you said, you can by having conversations or listening to coaches from other other sports, I think, you know, that can open our eyes or our world to, to different ideas that maybe we wouldn't have thought about otherwise. So have you taken anything from any other sports and incorporated it with your team and your coaching? Because I'm analytical, I'm, I mean, I'm always looking at stuff and applying it. All right, so tell me about your favorite coaching resource that you do to constantly stay up on the game and some of the trends that are going on with it. I, this will sound a little bit funny or, you know, I don't know how this will come off, but I, I guess my – I guess my best resource is, is me in a way. Like I said, I kind of draw on past experiences and observations, but also because I have a little bit different background, I, I think that gives me a, a little bit of a different perspective on things at times. I don't really have any bad habits or I don't do things because that's what I've been taught to do. I, I, I do things and then I'm able to pretty quickly evaluate and adjust because I don't have that, I guess, that like inherent bias in what I'm doing. I can appreciate that. I like that, keeping your eyes wide open. So educate me now a little bit on wrestling. Sure. As you know, I'm a basketball guy, and you have a little bit of basketball in your family as well, so you get it to a degree. Yep. And there's different styles of play for basketball. Can you tell me about your style of wrestling? at MSOE or what you try to incorporate and then an alternate style of wrestling and explain it to me so the novice can understand it. All right. I'll try to break it down as, as simple as I can. So I, there's a lot of different, I guess, what you'd call styles of wrestling or different ways of doing things. I don't really try to force my guys into any one style. I like to you know, they each have their own unique style, and then I try to um, adjust my coaching for each individual, which that might that probably differs a little bit in a team sport. I don't think you can do that quite as much. But, um, you know, it's kind of two ways to look at things. Real simple would be, you know, you have, like, what people refer to as, like, the Iowa style on one side of the spectrum. It's, it can be very straightforward. You're, you know, kind of um, wearing your opponent down bullying them a little bit, um, it, and that's very effective. And then on the opposite, opposite side of the spectrum, I would say you have maybe more like a team like Oklahoma State. They're more known for their um, technique, and instead of going straight forward, they kind of wrestle, I guess, around the opponent in a sense. I guess I would fall more on that side of the spectrum as far as my own self, but like I said, I don't I'm recruiting kids with all different types of um, backgrounds and styles, and I don't think that one is necessarily better than the other. I just do my best to to coach both. Well, I think that fits in well with your broad scope approach to things. And one thing that I learned a long time ago is it's easier for one coach to adjust to the players and their abilities rather than a number or a variety of players adjusting to one coach, especially at the Division three level when they're there for academics primarily first. Yeah, and that's that's one thing I really try to keep on the forefront of my mind is that, the, you know, especially at a school like MSOE, these kids are here to get a, a degree and then they're going to graduate and they're going to go on and get a great job. 
once they once their four years are up, they'll probably never, you know, they'll never wrestle again. They probably won't coach again. So we really try to make academics a, a huge priority here. So with that, after you're done in your college career or anyone in general, what are outlets for people to stay in that sport if they want to, you know, outside of, um, or I would say Olympic wrestling, which is the only thing that I think I see above and beyond college wrestling. Yeah. And I think that's one thing I'd, I'd like to see change. I just don't know necessarily how to do that. There's, I guess there's not a, a lot to do. I mean, you can either get into coaching or you can, you can still compete on the senior level, but I think that, you know, that's hard to do for, for most guys. First of all, most guys aren't really on that level. Number two, it's difficult to do if you have a job or a family, things like that. As you know, my wife's a, she was a college basketball player and she doesn't anymore, but she, you know, she played in some basketball leagues and things like that after college. So I think in other sports you have that, you can still compete a little bit after you're done. Wrestling is a bit different. It's harder to, it's harder to do that. What is the senior level? Is that like a weekend warrior thing or what is that? Well, like, so senior level would be like the Olympic level, like guys who are training to, you know, make the Olympic team or compete on a national level. Okay. And you may have answered this a little bit earlier, but I'm going to ask it again anyway. How do you translate your day job over into assisting you with your coaching? I think, I can't remember what I said earlier, but I think, you know, it's just, I don't know if there's a direct correlation, but just, um, you know, being analytical really helps with my day job, obviously. Um, and then that translates over pretty well to, to coaching. I think too, my day job kind of requires me to have strong like, communication skills and like task management and things like that, which are obviously extremely important in coaching as well. So tell me about a coaching phrase that you use repeatedly that your guys would say, yeah, coach always is saying this to us. <laughs> so I think the thing that I have been kind of emphasizing lately is just positioning. I'm just constantly on them about positioning. It, it, that's maybe hard to explain to a, a non-wrestler, but just it's just like little details. Just when you're doing a move, just it's the small details that can make a, a huge difference in the outcome. Well, I think it makes perfect sense. Because here's how I'll, I'll equate it, and you tell me if I'm wrong. But positioning is one of these things that's cross-functional across all the sports. I'll give you a basketball example. We talk about fighting for your feet a lot to either be in position to ready to shoot or defend or whatever it would be. It's essentially the same thing as being in a position so you have the opportunity to make the play you need to make, correct? Yep, that's it right there. See, there's us basketball players can be taught wrestling skills. <laughs> Bill, you should come join us for a practice. You know what? If I'm in Milwaukee sometime, I am definitely going to stop over because I love to be just in the gym or on the field or whatever it is because I really believe that coaching is way more than the X's and O's, and I get such thrill out of listening to coaches and how they communicate and what they communicate and then also how the players are communicating with each other and how they're receiving communication. There's so much crossover to be learned. So I am going to take you up on that. So you better uh, beg for forgiveness when I walk in that gym with a basketball. Awesome. We'd love to have you. 
just make sure it's not a day where you guys go do cross training and play five on five pickup because somebody will get hurt. <laughs> so tell me about your next project and your motivation behind accomplishing that, whether it's in coaching or in your career. Well, my big thing that I'm working on right now is just um, kind of taking my recruiting to the next level. I think, I think right now in college athletics, recruiting is really the name of the game. Kids are coming out of high school at just a just an unbelievable level right now. So development is still obviously very important, but you know it's all about getting those recruits. So just trying to reevaluate, learn from the past two years, and move forward and and try to improve that part of my coaching. So what is one thing you're doing specifically different in your recruiting to try to adjust? So I think at first I kind of took a one-size-fits-all approach, and that doesn't really work because everybody, uh, you know, we talked earlier about each athlete is different when you're coaching them, and it's really no different when you're recruiting. I mean, you got to kind of read the room a little bit and, and adjust. So at first I was just, you know, I'd do the typical – I'd get my list, I'd, I'd go down, I'd call them all. A lot of times they don't answer their phone, you leave a voicemail. And I kind of I learned pretty quickly that that's not what works for, for me at least. It seems like kids nowadays would prefer to, to text. So a lot of times now I'm trying to start out with a, a text message just to, you know, introduce myself, just give a brief intro of the program, provide some information about our school and then you know kind of go from there some kids seem to prefer to continue communicating through text and some guys are eager to hop on a call which you know i think is best it's easiest to communicate a a lot of information in a short time through a phone call rather than text but again just however however i think that that kid is gonna respond best is the is the method that I'm going to use. For us, I think we have a really nice campus. We have nice facilities. So it's all about just getting that kid on campus and where I can spend some time with them one-on-one and and share my vision for the program and kind of show them the facilities and and kind of sell our program to them. Well, that fits in with your coaching approach too, with meeting them where they are and then taking them from where they are and what they want to accomplish rather than trying to fit the square peg into the round hole. Yep, exactly. And one thing I, I think I like, one thing I like about MSOE is that we're kind of a, a niche school, I guess you could call it. We have, we have a bunch of majors now, but really we're still known as an engineering school, which some people might look at as a disadvantage because I have a smaller pool to, to rec- recruit from. But the way I kind of look at that is, that as our as our wrestling program gets better, we're going to become it's going to be kind become kind of a no brainer for a lot of kids who want to wrestle in college, who want to become engineers but aren't wanting to or aren't on the level to go to a Division one school. Yeah, I think you're going to do really great things with bringing kids in, and obviously them learning from you and having that analytical approach is going to be helpful for their success, whether they're an engineer or in one of the other programs that you offer. So I want to get you out of here on a fun question, and you probably know what's coming because you know that I'm a little bit off the wall sometimes, and I don't always play by the rules. So you tell me if you were to compare yourself to one 
WWE wrestler, who would that be and why? Well, I, I'll say that I didn't grow up watching as much wrestling as you, Billy. Um, it was banned in my house, Mike. Oh, well, never mind that. Well, we didn't, I didn't have cable or anything growing up, so was, we had to watch whatever came over the, the antenna. I've always been a fan of the Ultimate Warrior, so I guess that would have to be my answer. Yeah, I can see you out there just shaking the ropes, giving a boot stomp. That's right. Spinning in a circle. I was going to go a little more modern with Daniel Bryan. Okay. See, I don't even know who that is, so. Well, get on YouTube, Mike. I better start learning, yeah. Yep. I was going to go with the Bray Wyatt approach, but, yeah, that might be a little dark for your sense of humor. (laughs) Mike, I appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on The Competitive Mindset. No problem. Thanks for having me, Billy. Next time on Competitive Mindset. It's all in you know, how quick I can put my pants on in the morning, how quickly I can get to work. It's as simple as who gets off the line at a stoplight. Competitive Mindset Music was produced by DJ Jojo Moore, and all images were created by Elena Keel. Be sure to subscribe, rate, leave a review, and follow us at Competitive Pod.